0: On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out more about the Flash's big bad and who he is, how the X-Men deal with Roastmaster Mojo, and if Screen Crush Editor can handle the amount that Ryan fanboys out over him. All that and more on an all-new episode of the Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet that reviews every single live-action television show based on a comic book, as well as some of the animated ones. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host for this episode. And guys, it's going to be such a delightful episode. Uh, That's what I'm calling it. I'm calling it right out the gate. It's going to be delightful. And that's because I have two of my friends here with me. A certain one is missing. Um, I'm going to call us Team Dumb and Fun is here. Team Dumb and Fun is simple. First of all, we have Ryan. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay um you know what i'm not even mad that's like you bring mike on mike's not here tonight you bring mike on because you want like what like smart and boring is that really what you want with mike
0: that's what like i feel you know people don't see it as much on the show but he got he's he kind of like reins us in a little bit he's like hey guys like we got stuff to do and now there's just we got no we got no sheriff in town we're just loose we're loose and wild. You
1: are, Cassie, you're the host of the show. We you are the no sheriff. We have no sheriff
0: in town. That's what I'm saying to you guys. This is, I'm taking my badge off here. We're all equal. We're all hosts. Do you want to take a stab at it?
1: Do I want to host? No. Um. I just feel like that when it's you and then it's me and Caitlin, mm-hmm. what you call dumb and fun. Yeah. Um, Every episode is like it's a movie poster from like a '90s movie called like Cassie Daycare, and you're like (laughs) shrugging your shoulders while me and Kate. There's a ton of me and Caitlin's running all over the room.
0: Yeah, but you know, you know that daycare person secretly loves it and is also there to support it. So it's you couldn't tell
1: by their attitude towards the guests on the show or the panelists on the show.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll work on it. Team Dumb and Fun Assemble. Caitlin's also here. I'm here too. See?
1: Yes, listeners, Caitlin was holding a sword in the air when she said that.
0: <laughs> I do got to take that sword. You simply cannot yes! be trusted you, with a sword. Wow, no, okay. First of all, you said you were the sheriff, and now you're taking my sword? I know. I didn't know you were going to pull out a fucking huge-ass sword, though, okay? Well, fuck the police, okay? I mean, I'm keeping my sword. Well, under those circumstances, you get a sword. Yes! Just over there, please. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my zone. Uh,
1: Swords are to be looked at from far away. Have you guys... Did we talk about how sword swallowers actually do it?
0: Mm. Do you guys... Have
1: you watched those videos?
0: No. I'm sorry, you've watched videos of how they do it? They open their gullet and they put it down there.
1: They put a sword (laughs) down there? They
0: man up and they swallow a sword. That's right, Ryan.
1: I mean, it's not that different, but it's a little less dangerous than that. Where do you you put a sword? And Cassie, I don't want any of your fucking perverted jokes. Where do you put a sword if you want it to be safe?
0: On your wall. In a child's hands.
1: But what do you put the sword in before you put it on your wall? (laughs) They swallow the sheath.
0: Yeah. Ew. And then they put the sword in there. How? Yeah. How do they They exist with they just always have a sheath inside them? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Wait, no. (laughs) That laugh was like I am a child and like yeah, that's (laughs) have this whimsy. Are they coughing that thing up or throwing that thing up after every little trick?
1: I don't think they're throwing it up, Cassie. I think they're throwing it down.
0: Uh, (laughs) The body can't move like that, can it? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it does
1: depends on the way you dance
0: oh uh team dumb and fun is dropping a lot of knowledge on us that i didn't fully need tonight um let's go back to a safer realm where we're allowed to talk that's comic book stuff because tonight we're guys the main event we'll be talking about the flash ryan you got a you got an interview lined up
1: i talked to matt singer
0: matt singer
1: (laughs) i know uh, he is the editor of Screen Crush. He is the writer of multiple books about Spider-Man and Captain America. Ooh. Um, and he's somebody that I've uh, been a fan of for a long time, and I finally got a chance to talk to him.
0: Are you guys working on a book together? Are you going to drop that knowledge? Um, you guys have shared.
1: I don't think we really could. We don't have a lot in common. Um, he <laughs> <Yeah>. is... <laughs> He was born roughly the same time I was. His favorite character of all time is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He, uh, his favorite actor of all time is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just don't think it's going to work There's out. simply us, nothing you
0: know? for you guys. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> that's going to be at the end of the show. But coming up right now, let's go talk about The Flash. <laughs> on this week's episode of The Flash, the rogue battle rages on as Flash's bad guys continue to battle the Red Death's bad guy team. We finally learn a little bit more about who the Red Death is. Orion Wilder from another dimension has come to kill Barry because he is the villain in every dimension she's been to. The only way to stop Barry is his lightning rod, a.k.a. Iris. So while Barry is running on the cosmic treadmill, Ryan is trying to convince Iris, through friendship or force, to talk Barry down. buds, I ask you this. What do we make of Havisha first first big performance as the villain of the final season of The Flash?
1: Bro... Cassie, you watched a lot more Batgirl than I did. Did you get any hint of this on that show?
0: No, no. She there was no hint of this. Like, she was always a good Batgirl. But you know, like that role is so reined in and has like a lot to deal with and was like taking over this team trying to be a leader. None of this. None of this that came through. This was a whole new person. Well that's the thing
1: is that Bruce Wayne or Bruce Wayne analogues like Ryan Wilder on that show are so They're like Seinfeld's on Seinfeld. It's like, I'm going to be normal and boring, and the supporting characters, the villains, are going to be the ones that get all the great parts. And (laughs) she was clearly saving up for this week throughout all of (laughs) Batgirl.
0: It's like she saw um, who played... uh, Oh, that was the the original, like the sister. I can't remember any of their names, but when she licked a bell pepper, she was like, "We can do whatever the fuck we want. I can't wait to be a bad person." Yes, and really went for it on this.
1: Was it bad she though? A bell
0: pepper. N- I mean, in this like was her thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, was she too much?
0: There was moments that I couldn't tell. Uh, Ryan,
2: the writing is bad, <laughs> so it's like I don't know if it's the writing that's really bad or the acting. Cause some of these lines, man, I was like, oh my God.
1: I don't I don't think it's the acting. And here's why. She is going to have to say, and I can't believe that we're still hearing this in our the year of our Lord 2023. Um if I wanted you dead, you'd be dead already. Like, how many times have villains told hostages that? Like this show is just sort of uh stopped wanting to be new or fresh. And I'm so glad that she is here to, because mm-hmm. even if you do think that she's not great in a scene, uh, she's gonna it, it's gonna be something to talk about. It's gonna be interesting and it's something to watch, you know.
0: Even down to like, it's fully like I think she knows that there's nothing interesting in the script, so like the only thing you could do is go 100 because she did super good in Batgirl. Like her acting, I would never say is bad. This one, it is questionable some of the scenes but I don't know what you can do with the material but even when she's just like putting on what she calls the armor to her when she's talking to Iris like even just her body movements in that I was like she's fully committed she is in it and I applaud her fully committed
1: that's the that's the perfect way to put it like there's at the end the cosmic treadmill blows up and it goes all into her chest and she's like (laughs) she is there and she's present but it's not just the big moments like it's not the big villainous moments there's one point where she's next to Iris, right, and Barry's like, "I will not. Ne- Don't worry, Iris. I will never let her hurt you." And just there's a quick of her going, "No, no, I never let him hurt you." Like <laughs> she doesn't say anything. She just has this face of like this fucking jackass, which is what we're all thinking because we have to listen to Barry talk.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad they did give us a moment when she is trying to fool. Um, Iris, yeah. that she is just Ryan Wilder. I, I am glad we got like a more tame version of her. And I feel like she did do good at those moments where it's like hinting of like obviously she is still planning something. Like I feel like she held that well. Yeah.
1: Do you guys, have you noticed that in TV, uh, I think this was started by Star Trek, if you're the evil version of a dude, then that means you have a mustache. And this show proves that if you're the evil version of a uh, woman, you have a gray streak through your hair. Yep. Would you dye that? If you had that, would you dye it or would you wear it with pride?
0: I fucking wear that with pride. You gotta it looks wear so with rad. pride. It looks so freaking rad. As soon as I get one gray hair, I'm dying a whole <laughs> patch just to just to <laughs> fucking commit. <laughs> just to finally be cool.
1: Everybody's like, "Cassie, why didn't you dye that?" And you're like, "Didn't I?
0: <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> I did. The um, it was so hard. Like." there was a lot to catch up on we were confused with a lot of the dynamics going on I don't know do you know what's happening with iris's papa papa
1: yeah um they're going through this whole thing that was supposed to be a big major arcing thing that was all summed up really quick in this episode where he wants I guess he has a daughter maybe I don't know uh he has a new- right like I-, I thought he was like 70 which yeah. yeah more power to him uh maybe she's adopted I don't know but has a as a daughter with his new wife and wife just got superpowers, so she's like, I want to stay where the action is. I want to stay in New York City where there's, like, museums and restaurants open late. And we can take walks in the park. And he's like, well, I want to move to the country and protect our fucking daughter. And as soon as he's making his argument, uh, the daughter almost dies. Just all of a sudden, superpowers happen, and the daughter almost dies. And, you, and then, of course, the wife says, okay, now I get it. We should move to the country. And then... The papa, as you say, is like no. We should stay here. It's like, what the fuck? What? The- <laughs> yeah. TV show literally, logic.
2: It was like there is no reason to have have had this conversation. It's like we filmed too much of this, so we have to keep it. Yes.
1: <laughs> you know what? Do a dance scene. If you don't have enough, yeah. have the characters just cool. dance around a room for a little bit.
2: A karaoke
0: night. Uh, That's a fun one. That
1: would be great. They all sing Bohemian Rhapsody, start to finish, <laughs> and then you fill out your <laughs> runtime.
0: We'll never be angry about that. We'll just compare it to other singing episodes, and that's the most you'll get. But we will have a good time.
1: But we wouldn't, if that was the case, then we wouldn't get the extent of her powers, which was to stop a broken window, a shattered mm-hmm. window from f- flying in the face of her daughter. And then the coup de grace, the ultimate moment, she was like, I have to go leave to help the neighbors. Raises her hand and flings open the door. <laughs> yeah. Something I could do with my power of walking over to a door. <laughs> And using a doorknob.
0: You can also tell she just recently got the powers by the way she performed it. Like, she was on Wicked on Broadway. <laughs> like, that's really flung that arm open. It was like, I have to leave.
1: Okay, so maybe let's put it this way. Uh, not all of the acting on the show works. Uh, not all of the overacting. All of the overacting of, is it, did you say Havika, Leslie?
0: Havish? I, yeah, I think.
1: Uh, all of the acting of Ryan Wilder all of that overacting absolutely works. She knows what show she's on and she's fucking killing it.
0: Yeah, it's also the fact like you can overact when you are a villain. A yes. villain have this whole thing going through you. you you're like you made your own speed force when you are <laughs> a mom <laughs> who is trying to get to the house next door like <laughs> you can't you can't overact in that moment.
1: Oh, you're going to use your powers to help them? No. <laughs> we <We'll> use my <laughs> like, powers to what, open the door. I'm sure
0: the glass already broke over there. Like, what glass are you going to stop?
1: But That is true. Like, uh, the villains get to a- overplay and the heroes have to underplay, which is why when Chilblane, which I still don't know if that's a mm. villainous name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's his villain. Chillblain <laughs> <laughs> Is that his first and last name? I don't know. <laughs> uh, when he goes to offer Flash water, because uh, he's the hero, Barry has to underact. He's like, I will, I will never drink your water. Okay. <laughs> okay. When
2: he did not accept the water, I was like, you fucking idiot. You never know when you get water. Also, aren't you thirsty? Also, you need like so much protein and stuff because, like, all the fastness of you. All of the like, fastness of They had a age. whole. Oh, they, okay. <laughs> Season one, they had a whole episode where they had to make a good old protein bar for, for Barry because he needs all the good old proteins all the time. I'm sure he's parched. <laughs> and he didn't take any water, Ryan. I thought that was insane. Do you
1: know why there's a cutscene? Uh, it's because it was Dasani.
2: <laughs> he's ooh actually yes. oh, sorry no. Ooh. If, no if you had Fuji
1: here that would be one thing
2: <laughs> sorry not my brand
0: if you have Pierre um, there is the uh, <laughs> I forgot what moment I was wanting to talk about chill Blaine more fucking chill Blaine there, you can't you chill Blaine, Blaine more
1: than he already is <laughs> <laughs> he's the chillest Blaine possible
0: they had a redemption arc for him, which as soon as they were like, hey, um, it's never too late, you can always have a second chance, which at this point, it's at least his third chance, because wasn't he a convict before, and then he turned over to a good guy, Honestly, and then I, he betrayed them. I would say
1: upwards of eight. He has upwards of eight chances in this episode of just being yeah. like, just just do it do it now, bud, do it now, and he just doesn't. <laughs>
0: But they have this thing of like, you know, the, it's never too late, which always means that person's going to die. As soon as they decide to be like, you're right, it's never too late, they're going to fucking die. Mm. But were you guys sad to lose chill fucking Blaine? <laughs> but did we lose chill Blaine? Because they didn't have any on screen
2: death. So there
0: was, it looked like that knife went in him.
1: It was amazing because typically in situations like this, the uh, technology or the equipment blows up in such a way where that's how he dies, sacrificing. Mm-hmm. And this. It was like the villains just grabbed him and beat the shit out of him <laughs>
0: until <Yeah>. he died. <laughs> it was more savage, it was very brutal. They literally had two of them pull out knives, and we just had to watch him like it, as the knives start to go into his body. I was like, that felt excessive. The yeah. Flash.
1: He said, "Chill, is no longer chill about this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is no longer chill." Uh, but we do have we now have a full team up with um, Barry's rogue team. And there's some – sometimes the rogues are a bit much for me too. I don't know. I do love, as we talked about, the metal boy. Um, but the rest of them, I think I could do without. I don't know if I could do a full season with this rogue team.
1: Well, I mean, I think that uh, – going back to Chill Blaine real quick, I think that the audience and the screenwriters were delivered a favor. Like, I if he died, I think that's important because his story was over. You know, like, mm. we can't take this on-again, off-again relationship – and he had to get got. Mm-hmm. With the other ones, they're close. They're close to, like, it's put-up-or-shut-up time. You either need to become a full-dimensional character if you're going to stay on the show or mm-hmm. take a hike again. You know, like, I, we're doing this thing because it's the final season, and we're bringing back all of the characters. At one point, um, somebody walks up, and Barry's like, Belova or Bavolvi?"
2: Yeah, yeah. The Baloney is what he yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, who the hell is that?
1: He was asked, what does Dasani taste like? And he's like, (laughs) baloney. But, and we're supposed to remember that guy, I guess. I looked him up. He is the rainbow writer. What? But that's, if if we're going to do this whole reunion show for a season, get him in and get him out. I don't want to, you can't just have him this flat, this two dimensional, and then have him spend time with us for this long.
0: And it's weird because, like, so there's so many of them and you got to bring them in. So they're literally just introducing them being like, "Hey, they're now here." And that's it. Like we just got to be on board with that, which like I don't want a full backstory, but I could use just like a little bit explanation like did they link up on LinkedIn? How yeah. where's this inner circle of where she's pulling from. How did she get
2: Buogargi's like info and then where did he go after he did his one job?
0: His one job to put fear fear of Dasani into him but they're also like why is this rest of the team helping Ryan? Like Chill Blaine was because he wants Frost back uh, but the rest of them are No just... that's it
1: Cassie we just need the one explanation and then we can assume <laughs> explanations for the rest I guess because Ryan is cocky about it at one point she's like mm-hmm. I- I'm the only person who can give him what he wants cool, I don't know if you can, cool. and then what about everyone else?
0: Literally everyone else, and then, like, we do, like, there was a moment when I was like, you can't chi- you can't murder Chill Blaine, because he's the only one who could build this sick-ass treadmill for you, uh, but then I realized, you know, they're evil, they don't care, so Ryan realizes that she also just has to ruin this Barry's world if she can't go back to her own, which... I don't know. I'm pretty excited for it, I guess. Like, it's more Ryan, and it's just her getting more unhinged. So it has potential, maybe.
1: that. I mean, that's one thing I don't know if I can argue with. If I was not contractually obligated to watch next week's show, I might just <laughs> for more Ryan Wilder. And, like, yeah. you want to talk about a last name that fits a character. Every episode is going to get wilder <laughs> and wilder.
0: Fucking wilder. There is... Supergirl suffered from this too. Like the moments where, like, these good guys only their only way a lot of times to diffuse moments is just to lecture at the people, yeah, or like give a rousing speech. And it's just like, at in how many rousing speeches in an episode can we get? Like, so many tried with Ryan in this one. I think we heard like three to Ryan, maybe, and then like three to Chill Blaine. I was like, this is a fair amount. And see, like, the thing that
1: shows like this keep missing is that if you want us to buy either of the rogue side row team a row team b or whatever it's not about having like a whole backstory where we have clips of like a clip show of what's happened have one scene in the cafeteria that's what mm-hmm. you need of two people having a dialogue i mean we even like so- we're sort of positive on how uh what's his name from team a and what's her name from team b the fiddler mm-hmm. and the heat guy
2: the lava boy lava boy mm-hmm.
1: flirting from last week it was like well at least that's some sort of human connection that's that's how you develop the characters it's just have that scene in the cafeteria um monologues by definition don't do that that's that's one person talking and therefore we're not really developing their relationships with other people or even themselves we're not getting who they are what we're getting is the politics of the screenwriters and what they want to say or show
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it, it can it starts to get draining for sure like, Iris could have totally taken out
2: uh, Ryan mm-hmm. um, if she didn't give a fucking monologue of, I know what you're doing. It's here. This is your plan. Well, you and got Now it. I'm going to shoot you.
0: She's got to do that. Yeah. That one has to happen. That one was kind of fun. I
1: still think that's, though, although though, that is that is a monologue and, like, that wasn't great, that was the best segment of the entire oh, show. for sure. Because oh, for it, sure. it was two people connecting and trying to figure out what is true, what is lies, trying to, like, learn about these characters. And then it's just Iris's look. Like, Ryan just goes to get cream from the fridge and just knows where it is. And Iris's look of, oh, this bitch. And, like, that started the fight between them. All of that stuff was what I'm looking for, is connect two characters instead of not connecting 30 characters.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like, obviously, they did really well in the first season. I just keep hoping that they get back to... Like, they had the formula. Like, just... Just give us that again. Like, go back to the simple time. Like, it's just devastating for this final season. Yeah, it's
1: too late because this is the end. So that means that it's a firework show the entire time. And I I feel like at this point, by definition, if you have to have a big end-of-the-world firework thing for your story, TV or movies, it has to be multiverse, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not cool anymore. Like, it's not fresh anymore, at least. But that's what we're going to do.
0: We're stuck in the multiverse um that does cover pretty much this episode are you guys down to go to moments of the week yes um caitlin do you get a moment of the week i sure
2: do um there is a moment where where that exact moment where iris realizes that ryan is not her ryan that she thinks she is she's a bad person so she gives her monologue and then ryan says it's nuts
0: Time to get nuts. Time to get e- time to get nuts.
1: Guys, it's you want to get nuts. Let's get nuts. It's let's get yeah. nuts.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: In that what that line She said let's get nuts like two times. Delivered so seriously, so from the heart of like, "Oh, you want to get nuts?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Maybe I do want some <laughs> almonds." <laughs> Let's get nuts. <laughs> is
1: this do we think that this is her voice modified or do, is this a different actor? I was tr-
0: I was trying to figure that out. I feel like I don't know. I genuinely don't know.
1: Cuz if all of a sudden you have a lower voice. And I already have I mostly talk like a supervillain anyway, but if you guys had your voice lowered, you'd have to sort of get used to it, right? It's almost like hearing your echo in your ears. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to get nuts? Let's you get nuts. Get- You want nuts? What do you want? Are you wanting to get nuts?
0: (laughs) How about these nuts? (laughs) Do you want Caitlin to get a part-time job at a baseball stadium just slinging nuts (laughs) (laughs) in that voice? No, nuts? (laughs) <laughs>
2: Sorry, I forgot my line. I want I want Caitlyn
1: to be the announcer at a baseball stadium.
0: <laughs> Coming up next, Mike Trout's Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if for one game they let that happen,
2: what a delight. I was an inch away from that happening, guys, and it didn't happen to me, and I'm so sad.
0: Next time, grab the mic and just yell, Nuts. <laughs> Like, you're raising the dead baby nut from the grave. <laughs> I got,
1: if, I, I think that Leslie is well on her way to winning Best Supporting Actress of this year. Best mm-hmm. Villain of this year at the Shushies, which are right around the corner, I'm sure. If we find out that she's also doing her version of the modified voice as well, like, she's doing all of it, it's a slam dunk, guys. I think sh- this is yeah. it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ryan, what's your moment of the week?
1: Um, She has... uh she as in Ms. Leslie because she is owning the show right now uh, has Iris on the ground right? Iris is like clamoring back I don't know what to do Leslie is walking up to her and she says uh, I guess it's not meant to be and then her eyes get so big and you don't just have to like if you're a supervillain you don't have to just laugh really loud sometimes your eyes can get loud she has the craziest eyes I mm-hmm. uh, just i I so clearly, the all star of this episode and this show so far.
0: Yeah. 100%. She got a little nuts. <laughs> the only other all star would be. I'll let you get another take you want. <laughs> nuts. Excellent. Great.
1: I, uh, Caitlin, I, I, I hate to give you notes, but if I, okay. I like that N I U T S.
0: Nuts. Or
1: the N Y U. Nuts. You want to get nuts?
0: Nuts. Nuts. Now, can I get an umlaut over it? <laughs> nuts! <laughs> nuts! Nuts! <laughs> nuts!
1: God, you know what? I do prefer when Mike is not here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's this just, Nuts! <laughs> this has been a solid minute of just screaming Nuts! <laughs> The sheriff has gone away. The other, my moment of the week is when, um, I still don't fully understand it. I still need to go back and review the tapes if I'm bold enough. Um, there is the shot of Chester P. Runk, Funky Runk, um, oh, well, yep. is at his computer and, um, the girl goes up to him and was like, "Hey, I would like to talk about us." And there is a silver tray of what I believe is just a stack of churros. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like some type of baked good stacked like Lincoln Logs next to him on a like a f- expensive silver tray. So, um, my moment of the week is those churros, and if it's not churros, they are now churros. Have we, um, have we talked about f-
1: how like sc- Chester P. Runk is a terrible name if you're a screenwriter yeah. for a TV show? But an incredible name, if you're creating a children's restaurant where a bunch of animatronic animals come out and play music, one of them should be named Chester P. (laughs) Runk. He
2: even almost sounds like a cereal. Like, I'll give him a cereal or a restaurant. I like the restaurant better, too. He could probably have a band, too, you don't think? Chester P. Runk's
1: Hall of Cheese Fries? I would go to there. (laughs)
0: Uh, The Flash, you still have time in your final season to do it. Uh, Also, if you want to watch The Flash, it's Wednesdays on The CW. Uh, That is it for The Flash, but I do have time to talk about a website. Ryan, do you have a good website?
1: Yes, of course I do. Cassie, Caitlin and I came up with one together.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. We got a combo. Yeah,
1: it's because we uh, both have specialties. I make incredible plates, and she makes incredible churros. And so if you go to this Mm -hmm. website, we will deliver... Plate, churro, 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 churro.
0: So but the plate is first? Like you lay it down Uh
1: if the plate's last, Cassie. What do you want a hat plate? Do you want a plate hat for your pile of churros? No, the plate no, you, the plate goes on the table and then the churros go on top of the plate.
0: So you are going into the people's house fully to deliver this? I
1: will make it a surprise. And then Caitlin has to follow me.
0: Yep. Well, now if Caitlin is in charge of it, I don't know how well this plate churro chur, churro is going to go. Let me
1: say, if you want a plate of churros right now, then we're going to do it at four in the morning. No matter what time you call us, it's going to be four in the morning wherever you are.
0: But will they be hot and ready like a Little Caesars pizza? Absolutely not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're honestly raw and cold. It's it's churro dough and it's frozen.
0: But they will be on a plate oh, no, the, delivered yep. <laughs> And the
1: plate is broken. Yeah. <laughs> And some of the piece, like ceramic pieces from the plate are in the churro dough.
2: Mm. It's very fun, though. It's almost like, yeah, you know, like when you eat the bread and you try to find the baby inside of it, you just try to find the shards of glass in these churros that are uncooked. And also try to steer away from the salmonella.
1: This is New Orleans that Caitlin's talking about. I think that's important. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So many websites are like, oh, what should I do for myself? I deserve a me night. You know what? Fuck that. What should you do for your enemies? And what you should do for your enemies (laughs) is you go to this website and you get a fucking broken plate full of frozen churro dough (laughs) at four in the morning placed right under their pillow.
0: No. We're the tooth fairy.
1: We're the tooth fairy of frozen churro dough (laughs) plates.
0: I do love this plan. I am intrigued by the person who does receive um, a plate with loose frozen dough yep. with shards on it, a yeah. broken plate, and they are like, I will cook this baddie up. Absolutely. <laughs> I do want to know who that individual is in that target Cassie, market. they don't have to cook it. They could eat it raw, and they could possibly, again, get salmonella or these little shreds of them. and yeah, I do want to know who that person is. There's a <laughs> third option, me. which <laughs> is
1: throw it away. They could also mm. do that. <laughs> Um, so
0: you guys don't fully care what happens on the inside. It's just the delivery. It's the message oh, no, we, that needs to come.
1: We go in the closet and we film it and watch what happens when they wake up, for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Well, this with a service this important in this <laughs> niche, I got to direct you to my friend cybersprout.net because if there's ever a service they can get behind, it's this. Uh, what's the website domain real quick?
1: Oh, Caitlin, you remember?
2: Oh, I'm trying to think. I think it's... uh.
0: That's
2: a plate of churros.com. <laughs> <laughs> slash org.
0: It sounds like there's maybe some dots in there. What? Or do you got to put the pauses in there with like ellipses?
1: What she left out yes. is that's a plate question mark of churros question mark.com.
0: Yes. <laughs> right. He's got it. So for that website, I am going to send you to cybersprout.net because you guys, they offer premium hosting that's specifically built for WordPress. They also handle security, maintenance, backup, speed optimization. They'll migrate your website for free. They got goal-driven design, and they'll help you reach the right customers. And in this market, I don't know. For you guys, that's a tall order. You don't think people have
1: enemies? People have enemies, Cassie.
0: (laughs) True. On that side, it's easy. They will help you find the right customers. Samsprout.net, they'll help you find the enemies. Um, That's it for that. Next up, you guys, it's time for X-Test. On X-Tad's episode Longshot, we get more of that round spherical boy Mojo who has taken his broadcast to Earth as he goes against the X-Men a second time. Taste what I ask you, how hyped were you from that recap?
1: Oh my, I love a good recap.
0: Dude, honestly, like, recaps for X-Men are vital. But as soon as I saw fucking Mojo and Longshot, uh, this was such a banger of an episode the first time I was like, fuck yeah, give me this again. I'm so ready.
1: I don't want to, uh... Jump too far ahead, Cassie, but this one was better than the one before it.
0: Than that OG one? Yeah. They're both just so dear to my heart and it all it all rests on Mojo, that fucked up little blob. <laughs> I guess there's something about him. Um but yeah, we do we do know as soon as that recap up, we are getting him, but we do open up and it's with um Jubilee driving Wolverine Wolverine around and mm-hmm. it's not going great.
2: Well it looks like she's learning how to drive clutch.
0: Yeah.
1: Which, have you guys ever had that lesson? Have you ever had that first go-round with clutch? Yes. Yeah, it's,
0: it's a rough bad. go. It's bad.
1: How long did it suck for you? Cassie, it probably sucked for you for like 30 seconds, right?
0: Uh, No, it's it sucked for a while. It's a rough go. <laughs> it was not great.
1: My, uh, I remember my first clutch car, and I lived in a place with a lot of hills, and it was just stalling constantly, and horns constantly, and me panic hands Mm -hmm. just yeah trying to like i like everyone was so mad at me
0: that's the worst part in that like it's just like it's the panic where you just then can't think clearly while you're there so you just get stuck longer Mm -hmm. god it should never been invented
1: (laughs) they should have gone right to automatic because that's the way to go i'll just drive like i'll put i'll put my foot down on a pedal and my car will just drive
2: it'll just do it for me
0: they're fools but yes, this they do pull off at a store, so I can assume Wolverine could get some liquor. Is the only thing I could assume that he wanted to go stop for. Yeah, um, he uh,
1: he drinks uh, nonstop Dasani whiskey, which is. Disgusting. <laughs> uh, when Jubilee says, "I always forget that clutch part." Did you guys yell out? Uh, yeah, especially in fight, you fucking <laughs> non-clutch bitch. Did you guys also yell that up?
0: Yeah, in unison, mm-hmm. and we did end it with mm-hmm. bitch, obviously uh but they do when wolverine's inside that's when a portal opens up and longshot just drops right into the jeep
2: pretty like casually face down
0: ass up face down <laughs> ass up down to party as soon as he hits like he is in a full another world he has never met jubilee before and he's instantly like hey what's up i'm like that's not how you can't start trying to hit put on moves like as soon as you land in a whole another world
1: Uh, spoken like a person who has never had a mullet before (laughs) if you have a mullet that (laughs) is how you talk to people
0: he's got the power and it does work on jubilee like there's this whole army coming through and she don't give a fuck because she wants to fuck this Mm -hmm. guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) instantly Um, i mean
1: she is uh 15 no 17 years old yeah (laughs) god what a crazy show
0: It truly is. They do. um, So this army does come out. I don't ever remember their names. I don't know if we remember.
1: The Mojo Potatoes.
0: The Mojo Potatoes come through. (laughs) Um, And they try to get Longshot, but Jubilee actually saves him. With her fireworks? Excuse me, call her what she's supposed to be called the Princess of Pyrotechnics? Princess of Pyrotechnics. She, all of a sudden, a cute boy lands in her car and she's like, hold on, I know, I know, I got the swag, I can know what to do, and just calls herself the Princess of Pyrotechnics? Beautiful.
1: I mean, like, do other people eat chili fries? Of course she's the Princess of Pyrotechnics. (laughs) Uh, And what this means is that no other X-Men has been cute before. That's why she was never... Wanting to do anything?
0: Yeah, this mullet really got her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think they do—they do take them, or they run off, or something. Yeah, like Jubilee and and Longshot have to run off
2: as they're being chased by like metal dogs. Oh yeah, that almost look oh. like.
1: Warwolves, Caitlin. Is that what they are? Wolves. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: yeah. They're like dewdrop dogs is what I would call them. <laughs> they little dewdrop dogs.
1: Oh, my God. Can you guys even imagine an adorable <laughs> puppy named Dewdrop?
0: God, that would be so oh, fucking cute. cute. Dewdrop. Stop. Oh, I love that gotta get another dog um but at this point wolverine does notice that they are gone um sniffs the seat and immediately knows Jeez. the smell of Longshot's ass It <laughs> was like it's long shot which you know is what? wild like, <laughs>
1: i don't have that good a smell but i'm just gonna start smelling seats and just be like mike cravagno <laughs> like, like how fucked up is that if i just start smelling <laughs> seats and then naming someone
0: it's the weirdest move i was like you guys had to have this moment like couldn't he have just been like where are they why do you have to instantly know his fucking long shot off of his ass smell (laughs) or
1: or just smell the air around
0: smell the air no he went for a deep
2: sniff of that fucking ass cheek
1: long shot has farted here (laughs) (laughs) this Uh, was before or this is after uh he was in the uh convenience store, liquor store, and then did the longest running, screaming,
0: yes! jubilee joye-
1: I have ever seen. Just that, How is that not a gif?
0: That scene is like Monty Python. Like He restarts running <laughs> over about five times just yeah. screaming Jubilee. I'm like, get out the fucking door, bro. Uh, uh, but we do run into, we catch up with the doodogs that are chasing them. They end up in an alley in a West Side Story show off yeah. um, where we get them, the dogs versus... Jubilee Longshot, and eventually Wolverine does join. Um, and I, th- I gotta
1: say, like, I don't want to blow my gasp aboard, but Longshot is just standing there being like, uh, Jubilee, we should get it, and then is attacked by a warwolf, so fucking, like, he is jumped.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like, a horror movie. It's intense. And then we, they, it is like this intense showdown, but they do have time to fit in all the dog puns yep. that they could have possibly imagined.
1: Biscuits, no biscuit, no risk it, Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but they do the team retreats eventually they realize that they can't stand up so they're just like all right we're gonna peace out um so then they did they realize longshot doesn't have any memory, so they take him back to the mansion or wolverine doesn't trust him so he's like i need x to check out your head actually x gonna give it to you <laughs> x gonna see what's up <laughs> uh so they do go back to the mansion and this is when we have a moment. They meet up for the first time by the pool table. And I didn't even know there was a pool table here. But this is where everybody is at tonight. Well, also,
2: he was in his Logan gear when they were just driving at the convenience store. Longshot mm-hmm. Longshot comes in the house. Uh, He gets to his home and he's like, I am now Wolverine and has to put on his fucking cowl, have to put on everything. And he's like, he
1: changes it into the yellow he and blue
0: changes. <laughs> It's mission time now. He's, He's got to protect. he is threatened. Uh, but
1: what I gotta say that looking like Logan is much more threatening yeah. than being in skin tight yellow and blues.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a more unhinged look he has. Anytime there's a dude in a leather jacket with a cowboy hat and a bolo tie, like don't trust that man. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a stable man. You can't and let's be, be honest, doing that.
1: Wolverine is full time, the entire time, jealous of that luxurious mullet. You know that Wolverine (laughs) wants that mullet.
0: Doesn't everyone, though? Instead, it grows out to his sides, and he can't get it down long in the back, only on the sides, (laughs) and that's his struggle.
1: It's constantly party in the front and business in the back, and Wolverine hates that. (laughs) Wait, is that how emo kids wear their hair? Is emo kids party in the front and business in the back?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. It's just (laughs) sad all over the place.
0: Uh, but they do have to have this whole argument of, like, can we trust him? There's a line used by Jubilee of, are you blind? He's on our side. And Wolverine responds with, we don't know that yet. They use that li- exact line twice. Yes, they do.
2: They literally, and it's the same clipping, it's The same fucking clip. It's, like, the same clip recorded twice.
1: But uh, the- I don't know if, like, we're too far in this. Are we still talking about how X-Men saves money at every stop?
0: Yeah. It's they just- wouldn't even...
1: They wouldn't even pay for somebody to re-record that line.
0: Yep. <laughs> it just blows my mind every time it pops up because they're the only show this committed to that, and I respect them for it. Um, but we do have it where X tries to get in his head. He's like, "It's completely blank. There's nothing here. I've never witnessed somebody <laughs> so open, so in chi, and so at peace. There's nothing for me to find." Uh, but they do,
1: which is it, that's what would happen if he did that to us, right?
0: Absolutely, so in We'd chi. Be-
1: We'd be so zen, we'd be so empty-headed that <laughs> Professor X is like, I don't know what to go on here.
2: But in reality, that's just everyday state. Completely empty yeah. all the time.
0: Um, we do have, at <laughs> this point, we're kind of cutting it back and forth. Mojo lands on Earth, because he's like, gotta gotta get to my X-Men. I know that this is where they're at, this is where the broadcasts are, this is where my numbers are, let me take over Earth. He does not enjoy Earth, he needs to turn it's it into... It's dirt. It's mm-hmm. dirt.
1: It's it's fucking it's a giant mud ball, floating mud ball in space. It's disgusting.
2: So this is my first time experiencing Mojo and he's like the biggest influencer ever. He has to even rebrand Earth because it's dirt and he doesn't like that.
1: Caitlin, and- would we even have social media if it wasn't for this episode I of Xhas?
2: Don't think we would. They should stop calling them influencers and start calling them Mojos. <laughs>
1: Did you see? Did you, did you see the scene where Mojo just had a giant bottle of Pepto Bismol and was just like <laughs> chugging from the bottle?
2: My lardacious like. himself. Yes.
0: My spherical king. My spherical king. <laughs> but like,
1: also, do social media influencers always have their eyes stapled open? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes, yes they do. You
2: gotta always be on the internet, <laughs> internet, the internet.
1: Well, yeah, you you to be on that there internet. You gotta be uh, s- streaming. Do you guys remember when you were kids a restaurant called Shakey's?
0: Yes, mm-hmm.
1: and how that restaurant had something besides pizza called Mojo potatoes.
0: Yes, that's what they were called. Yeah, wow.
1: Were they based on this? Mo- I always, I never wanted to go there when I was a kid because I, I thought that they were made out of Mojo, this uh, Mojo,
0: and you didn't want a piece of that.
1: You know what, Cassie? Like, he's not, he's not nice to look at. <laughs> Nor eat. Eat chunks of. I do not want to eat chunks of Mojo.
0: Those shaky potatoes are so delicious. So, stand corrected. They're a great time. Uh, but we do have Mojo on Earth, and he's um, making it Terror Town or something like that as his rebranding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he does end up... He th- His key to getting um, this super red broadcast is capture Jubilee and get the X-Men in one spot so he can uh, broadcast their fight again, which does work... Um, because he goes into Scarecrow mode and Jubilee just has to go up to this blobby Scarecrow. Um, and that's the one way to get her trapped every time, apparently.
1: Plus, I love how Mojo knows what all other savvy CEOs of entertainment companies at that time know. Which is, the the X-Men are hot. The X-Men are popular. Mm-hmm. I want to get them on my channel.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so... They get trapped, uh, Wolverine goes looking for her, he's like, hey guys, gather up, Jubilee's missing, um, and Mojo's plan does come true, they all do end up in Terror Town or whatever the fuck, and he starts broadcasting live from a pirate ship in the sky. Yep. I don't remember this always being his um, vessel, but- No,
1: but like, I-, I do appreciate a villain who knows how to work a blimp. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. that's so villainous. Like every hero is always like blimps are stupid and slow and villains are like, no, I Give love a blimp. Girl.
0: There's this great moment where we see the blimp and it does have this screen um, where we get. Oh, see the
1: screen, was, Cassie.
0: <laughs> the fucking screen. Um, and he does do an introduction because this is a live broadcast, of course. So we do get introduced to all the X-Men and their lineup and their prize of Jubilee. Um, I'm sure we all have a standout for who was introduced. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I'll let you go for your standout.
1: Oh Jesus, there's so many uh because I'm going first I will I'll only take one but uh beast is I think he I think beast goes first and he's like uh he is very smart. he knows everything too bad he looks like a fucking blue gorilla up, idiot. <laughs> And Mojo like- is going <laughs> off in this episode on every single one of the X-Men. And if, if I was a kid watching this, I'd be like, I never realized how fucking idiotic and stupid <laughs> all of these characters are.
0: Truly the origin of the roast Comedy Central owes Mojo for this. Uh, the Mojo's. The Mojo's. Wait,
1: what, what were your guys' favorite ones from the screen?
0: Mine was absolutely Rogue, where he says, introducing Rogue's, Rogue's lips, who made kissing noises. He said, Mu-mu-mu-mu-mu. no man can kiss. <laughs> <Yee>. <laughs> savage. Which
1: is, does not make the audience go like, oh, it only hurts rogue. The yes. fact that he said that only <laughs> hurts rogue in her heart.
0: Like this is her biggest pain in life. Her trauma. And he's like, no man can kiss her. And next up, I was like, this dude's fucking savage.
2: <laughs> and then he went to fucking Wolverine and he had to get him where it hurts. He's like, this man has bones of adamantium, but a heart of glass. <laughs> And you know Wolverine's
1: like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't, go no, no, I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) Jubilee. And like the bit didn't die. It didn't like cut away and then go back to it. We just sat there and watched all of the X-Men get absolutely ass blasted (laughs) by Mojo. Got hit in the butt with a hammer.
0: (laughs) What? Uh, the timer does start. We do get a battle that goes on and we get everybody in this fight straight up all the way from the gladiators to spiral to, um, roided out Barney. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> they're like, they're going to love this purple
2: dinosaur. I feel like there was a <laughs> lot of like, pro- like references to pop culture in this one.
1: And such tight satire, X Men, yeah. uh, to go <laughs> after that purple dinosaur that kids will love.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they knew they knew they had to put Beast against this fucking purple dinosaur, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, they're not wrong. I do want to see this.
2: They should have given him a green tummy.
0: That's what they missed. <laughs> and then this fight segment. Truly, honestly, gets out of hand. I don't fully know how to track this one. Mojo. Neither gets in did it. the cameras, Cassie. Yeah, <laughs> the cameras were following one area,
2: and then there was so much happening over there. That's why you got to have two camera guys. It's so, well, important. at one
1: point, Mojo lost his remote, and Ryan lost his attention span. So
0: that's weird. I
1: don't, I'm not sure what when which one of those happened first.
0: Mojo loses a remote. At some point Jubilee, like the building Jubilee was in gets blown up and the animation of this chick flying out of that that fucking building, like truly flipping like a ragdoll yeah. into Longshot's arm. Perfect, beautiful, give the animators a raise. <laughs> I think the animators spent a lot of extra time on Longshot because he also has a spin
2: kick at one point where it's like, ooh, that was crisp. <laughs> Someone spent hours animating that spin kick. So um, I Hey, not Hey,
1: okay? yeah, thank you for drawing this, but uh, could that jump kick look crisp, please? I mean, That's all I would ask for. There's another part, though, if we're going to compliment, then we should also do the other side, where Longshot's body stays the same in a close-up, but his head moves constantly <laughs> yes! around like this as he's talking hey wolverine i don't think we should do that right now it's it's a 90s work of art
0: it's beautiful and perfect um we do eventually get uh long gets a sh- chance to take down uh mojo spiral has to get him out of there and they all kind of just retreat at this moment um but not before spiral gets to say hey wolverine uh I want another challenge pay per view, of course, and Longshot gets to say goodbye to Jubilee in a in a touching moment
1: where yeah. he doesn't kiss her on the mouth, but kisses her on the forehead, and she cries.
0: She <laughs> cries, and <laughs> there is <laughs> a rose on the ground, yes! that receives that tear from her eye, and we watch Jubilee walk away in a close up on that rose glistening. Yeah, like honestly, I mean- the writers <laughs> again deserve a raise. <laughs>
1: Jubilee, I know that you have a crush, but his name is Longshot, right? Like, like yeah. He's a long shot, and what that means is that when he just is on your back, it'll be a long shot yeah. that covers your entire body, <laughs> is I think what we're trying to say.
2: That's
0: exactly what that means, yes. Um, but just the most poetic ending I've ever seen, I shed a tear, and it was a perfect episode. I absolutely love whenever fucked up Mojo is a part of it.
1: I watched this uh, episode in a cement room, and yet... The amount of tears that hit the ground were so powerful that roses still <laughs> rose up from everywhere it teardropped. Because it was... It, honestly, I'm not going to lie. This is one of my favorite episodes that we've done in a long time. Um, I think it's just because of Mojo. But mm-hmm. uh, my goodness, what a good time. The, mo- the Mojo Roast is a Comedy Central <laughs> special that needs to happen.
0: I l- the Mojo is just an opportunity for the writers, one, to say whatever they want about TV. I think he had one line about like... The new only the news can show violence, like the news uh-huh. and the talk shows, and I'm like the there writers. There's a lot of
2: commentary in Mojo. <laughs> yeah,
0: the writers like love Mojo because they're their opportunity, and it shows whenever he's on an episode because it's just so fucking buck. I love it.
1: Do you guys remember there was a series? Like there was like maybe five episodes. I don't remember what it was. It was Dark Phoenix or something where Bishop was stuck on a rainbow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stay with me here. And there was like a little troll man who jumped around and had like a bunch of personalities. And he was super wacky. Mm -hmm. That was terrible. Yeah. For some reason, Mojo and his impression of 90s Robin Williams, I love. I think it's so great.
0: I I think it's the fucked up. It's the spider legs, if I would say.
1: Oh yeah. I mean we are all into that collectively.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's the episode though, so let's go on to the uh awards. The most the first thing I'm gonna start off with is most nineties thing. Caitlin, what do you got for it? Uh I have
2: the Looney Tunes reference where he goes <laughs> He does like a Woody Woodpecker. No, it's not Looney Tunes it's Woody Woodpecker, right? It's the, the pig? Oh Two different yeah, companies. porky pig. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Porky pig is looney tunes. Um,
0: but okay. he does he, he does, does the porky pig though. That is very nineties too uh ryan what do you got for it
1: i had so many cassie i had a uh, bolos uh <laughs> at one point uh-huh. they th- they threw the bolos and it like tackled uh ankles and i thought that was crazy liquid metal but i think we've already talked about that it's barney it's, it's gotta barney! be oh purple dinosaur kids are gonna love yep. this yeah that's not barney. going to make sense to people in 10 years from yeah. now but like it's barney
0: it's fucking barney we fucking got it and it's like 20 years or more so good um, I put broadcasting from a pirate ship. Is that nineties yeah. thing? It just felt like a nineties thing to be like, I got to. It's what we were all doing. <laughs> it felt very
2: Pokemon, so I I think it's nineties.
0: Yeah, and it's. Just
1: I like remember the first a- time I heard Nirvana. I was flying in a pirate ship, and I loved it.
0: <laughs> but Ryan, I am gonna give that one to you because Barney, the OG from the nineties, absolutely. Our next one is best gas blind. Ryan, what do you got for it?
1: there's a there's a bunch in here but i'm 15 nope 17 years old really Mm -hmm. fucked me up and 17 is not old enough yes
0: still but she knew she couldn't push it too far
1: but 15 like stop trying to hook up with these mulleted 34 year old (laughs) (laughs) men with glowy eyes jubilee like
0: she clearly has daddy issues
1: relax yes Chill. That I I gasped. I literally gasped out loud.
2: (laughs) Caitlin, what do you got for Best Gasp One? Mine's actually also with Long Shot and Jubilee. Um it's actually the fairy end when he gives her that kiss and she um uh the tear runs down onto the rose. I was like, oh my god!
0: beautiful like why
2: you know her age is underage that's all you know
0: and you're leading this on this is wild it's her first crush i don't care he's like 50 it's her j14 on the cover of boy band crush
1: also cassie it's her hundredth crush she has a crush on (laughs) every villain that comes in
0: first crush uh for best gaspline, I do have Roastmaster Jojo. Um he also takes a shot at Spiral, who is the only one who could help him out, and she uh he calls her just like a pile of armpits. <laughs> presumptuous
1: sack of armpits.
0: <laughs> it's fucking good. God Mojo, you're fucking good at this. <laughs> um.
1: You presumptuous sack of armpits. She happens to have six arms.
0: Like <laughs> And what he knows that means is you have a lot of fucking armpits. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to give that point to me, but that's really because the point you should go to Mojo for that baller-ass line. Our next one is going to be best use of power. Ryan, what do you got for it? I,
1: I actually picked in that same scene, Cassie, Mojo's aging skills. Mm. Like If he's upset at someone, he knows like it. It's, it doesn't hurt them to pull a limb off or shoot them with a bullet just gonna make them fucking super old until they do what i say and then i'll make them young again
0: he's he's fucked up and he knows he knows what the people want and what will be devastating for him
1: because of a uh, little movie that came out recently everyone's all about mo doc but mm-hmm. they should be all about mojo mojo yeah. is the shit
0: <laughs> he's the best caitlin what do you got for best use power
2: for best use of power, I have, of course, Logan's ability to sniff shit out. He uses this power not just once <laughs> to find Longshot. When Jubilee is gone, he sniffs out and he's like, I sniff. I smell mojo. I know that fucker's here. He knows like, everyone's oh smell. God.
0: Not only to get, he knows, he like memorizes every smell he's ever smelled, categorizes it, files it away, and could pull it up at any moment. It's incredible. Wolverine.
1: Wolverine, as a rule, calls seats and chairs fart plates. Like, <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: like I get uh-huh. smelling Mojo.
2: He probably smells. I'm, I'm sure of it. But Mojo, like-
1: reeks- Mojo is really a pit of armpits. Like- yes.
2: <laughs> also, he leaves a huge trail of death behind him. Like, he literally made like uh, his own little road with everything that he murdered around him.
0: Love him. Love Mojo. Uh, for best use of power, I do have the power to summon a roided out Barney, obviously. <laughs> um, I will give that one to Ryan, though. Our next one is going to be LVP. Caitlin, what do you got? Um, I'm going to say it's going
2: to be long shot because he just didn't have to be that creepy. Um, he didn't. He didn't have to be like
1: that.
0: But he does have a mullet, so did he? Yeah.
1: I thought he was a gentleman. He saw a child's crush and didn't do anything about it. Most he, guys that we've ever met would have done something about that.
0: That's true. Uh, he did start it, but yeah. maybe he couldn't tell the age right off the bat and then pulled back. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. She
2: said his, her age and he gave her a rose. Is weird. Yeah. It's weird.
1: At least he didn't take away her rose. Mm. Like Terrible Ryan. her.
0: Ryan, shut it down. Unfortunately, yeah. I am going to go to you. What do you got for LVP? <laughs> Was it that moment? You're now my LVP.
1: <laughs> LVP is cancel culture. All the bad guys are like, cancel him, cancel him. That's just more cancel culture in this country ruining people's reputations.
0: It was a wild thing to have because it really took me back and like out of the episode every time they kept yelling, cancel, cancel him. him. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, wait, what? No, it means something different here. <laughs> but for LVP, I have um, the tiny T-Rex. that got bitch slapped by Rogue. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. It's-
1: Sometimes dinosaurs need to know their place.
0: Okay. <laughs> and the fact that Rogue was like, I know exactly what to do, and just slapped this T-Rex. Wild. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, Just t- side tangent. Was Rogue more snatched than normal in this episode? She's always fucking snatched. I feel like it was more than normal. Maybe. They, get, like, they wow. randomly will get extra on Rogue's drawing, as yeah. <laughs> we all know.
1: It's probably uh, equal animators, right? Men and women? totally probably (laughs) for sure
0: um Caitlin I'll give that one to you though for creepy long shots our final award is gonna be MVP Ryan what do you got for it
1: Mojo's Roast Skills no one Knows how to burn, create a, uh, a audio book of a burn book like this motherfucker. He said things that we were thinking about the X-Men this entire time and didn't have the guts to say. <laughs> Mojo's roast skills. Mojo's row row.
0: Mojo's roast, absolutely. Uh, Caitlin, what do you got for MVP? I
2: also did have Roastmaster Mojo, but I'm actually going to give mine to Daddy Logan for screaming Jubilee so many times and try to be <laughs> being a dad. And he did the purpose, purpose thing perfect thing is like a 90s dad where he's like no jubilee and like kind of does nothing about
0: it after that mm-hmm. and i and i was like <laughs>
2: That's an MVP dad right there.
0: Kind of just carries around her coat for unknown yeah, reasons. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yes! Literally carried the coat
2: for, like, he was like, going to sniff it or something to try to find her. That's all I could think of. It was like, maybe he's using it to
0: follow her scent. <laughs> but he gets he nose long shot smell from, like, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and he lives with Jubilee. Yeah, that's why he's officially a dad. He's the
2: MVP dad, though, because... MVP. What better
1: way to describe a dad, though, than uh, one emotional outburst that is embarrassing and then do nothing
0: Nothing. uh for mvp i do have spiral for getting that pay-per-view fight scheduled books on the books with merch rights merchandise so me. yes. uh,
1: syndication rights
0: <laughs> Yeah, she knows what's up i was like damn this this is a businesswoman right here and she <laughs> knows what she wants i love that also i've heard sh- of
1: a i've heard of a shame spiral but a no shame spiral that's what she was doing right there <laughs>
0: And those perfect pirouettes she did as she was getting that deal, fucking boss ass move. Uh, and also,
1: she has six sticks of deodorant. She, <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't smell like armpits, Mojo. Bad. <laughs> that was his bad roasting.
2: How no. does she get her lower armpits? Do you think
0: she goes like puts the like, deodorant like in like tucking. three hands?
2: Oh wait, no. You get so cross. Oh, that's true.
0: Okay, never mind. Okay, we figured it out. We got it. We figured it out. Um, Ryan, I am gonna give that one to you though for. Roastmaster Mojo.
1: Romo Mojo?
0: Romo Mojo. Uh, That leaves this. Caitlin, me and you, we tied with one each. And Ryan, you came through with three. This was your episode.
1: I watched the shit out of this one, and I deserve it. And thank you very much. <laughs> <thank> you.
0: <laughs> You're the best watcher of X-Men out of us. Um, enjoy your trophy. You just got to make it, buy it, pick it up yourself. That and is- then for
1: some reason, give it to the next week's winner, which is... That sucks. I bought it and made it, and I have to give it to somebody else.
0: Yeah, but then, like, now we all need it. Like, it's only fair, Ryan. Makes sense. Uh, That is it for X-Taz, which means it's now time to get to your interview, Ryan. This is going to be part one with Matt Singer?
1: Yes. In this one, I broke down Matt Singer into two parts. Four parts. This is the first two. This is Spider-Man. Well, I don't want to give it away. Spider-Man and something else. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Ooh, we'll what a find, tease We'll find out what that is right now
1: Thank you, Cassie I am here with Matt Singer Author, podcaster, friend Is it too soon to say that?
3: No, go for it
1: Okay, uh, friend to many, but mostly just me uh, Matt, I'm very excited to talk to you. Thank you for, for uh, coming on the show tonight
3: Sure, thanks for having me
1: We have so much to talk to you about um, that we had no choice but to do a Family Feud style survey of people to figure out what are the elements that make up Matt Singer. Um, Just the most important things that created him as a person. Do you find it weird when you talk to people who have listened to you for a long time and they know far too much about your life?
3: Uh, not real. Nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody really brings up anything that I am uh, afraid of or ashamed of, or I don't know, un- unless you're about to spring something shocking on me that I'm not aware of. It I didn't. It doesn't come up that much, really.
1: <laughs> okay, I didn't watch your recent appearance on TMZ, where you were caught leaving a bar at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, that
3: was regrettable. But other than that, I'm usually okay.
1: Okay. um, And uh, you're sober tonight, and I appreciate that. Uh, sure. I have broken you as a person down into four main categories that we all want to hear about. And we're going to go, not speed round, but medium round through them. Okay? Okay. The first, I think, is obvious. Matt, a couple years ago, you are the author of the book Marvel Spider-Man, From Amazing to Spectacular, the definitive comic art collection. You've also written uh, two smaller books. And I mean that literally, right?
3: Yes, quite literally. Extremely small.
1: Okay, they fit in the pom- stocking stuffers, if you will. Yes, exactly, uh, yeah. And they're like uh, Roger's quotations if they were about Spidey and Cap, basically?
3: Uh, I'm going to pretend I've ever looked at a Roger's quotations book and say yes, exactly. I mean, it, I'm going to guess yes. They're little tiny books of quotate, like actual Spider-Man and Captain America quotations, yeah. So I didn't technically write them. I more compiled them into book form.
1: How, I mean, and I'm not asking this so I can do it next time and steal your job. Um, I just, because we're curious, how did this get started? How did you go from fan to, uh, I'm like documenting and compiling these Roger's books for them?
3: Well, that came as as a result of doing the first, the the actual book that I actually wrote, which was the the Spider-Man book you mentioned. Uh, They were all for the same publisher, which is Inside Editions, who do a lot of great books about pop culture and movies and television and comic books and all that good stuff. And um, I had just, I think I had actually got my foot in the door there because, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, so I was on as like a talking head on this um, AMC miniseries about science fiction, James Cameron's story of science fiction. I think it's called something like that. He was like the executive producer and he was on camera interviewing famous people in it. And then they had a lot of other, you know, uh, actors, filmmakers, critics, people like that, talking heads, jabbering on for a couple of episodes about all kinds of different science fiction movies. I was in that. And um, at some point, Inside Edition contacted me. They said, we're doing a companion book to the series, would you want to write something in the book? I said, sure. And I wrote an essay and it turned out well enough that they said, somebody else uh, dropped out at the last minute. Can you write a second essay? And I said, sure. And I did it. So I have two essays in that book actually. And then um, at some point I sort of reached out to the editor again and said, hey, I would love to write a, a book someday. If you ever have someone who needs, a, if you have a subject that needs writing or you're looking for a writer for something, let me know. And he said, sure. And a couple of months went by, and he said, hey, my colleague here is working on a book on Spider-Man and needs a, an author. By any chance, do you like Spider-Man? Which, uh, you know, like, I think my first reaction was, like, you, you... know, like, that kind of, like, are you kidding me kind of unbelievable, dumb luck kind of thing, because I'm a huge Spider-Man fan from when I was a kid. And I said, absolutely, get me at the job! And I had to sort of, you know, talk to that editor, win them over, and, you know... Well, long story not very short I ended up writing that book and it went well and so the editor reached out to me again a few months later and said hey we're, we've done these other little books there's one on Batman I know for sure because she sent me a couple of examples there's a Batman one there's a Joker one I'm sure there's others would you want to do one for Spider-Man and I said sure that sounds like fun and then at, I think while I was working on it she said would you want to do one on Captain America also and I said Sure, sounds like fun. It's my answer to every question I'm asked, apparently. And uh, so that was how I ended up doing those.
1: If, you know, it's a big opportunity, right? You're like a published author now. If they had said, this is Inside Editions, and we're doing a pop culture book, our author just fell out. Would you be interested in doing a book on Three Ninjas? Do you still jump on it? Like
3: uh i mean i would have probably said well i'm not the most knowledgeable but i could give it a shot or something like that depending on how desperate i was and maybe at this point i might not because i've got other (laughs) books that are not three ninjas related going on but at that point i might have said it sure you know what was i saying i say every time sure sounds like fun i mean sure, sounds like fun is it's a good answer to a question if you're uh you know if somebody offers you something and you got some time on your hands sure sounds like fun
1: But it wasn't three ninjas, it was Spider-Man. And that seems like a ridiculous twist of fate for you. What is it? Why him? And I know that this is a much different question asking you now than it was like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when comic book characters were sort of in the closet, in the dark, never got projects. Now Spider-Man, I believe, has surpassed all fictional characters in the history of time to become the number one. But as a kid growing up, what was it about Peter Parker?
3: It wasn't even anything about Peter Parker to start with, although later on that would certainly be a big appeal. It was Spider-Man. It was the it was the visual look of the character, because I loved Spider-Man before I could read, before I could barely talk. Like, I started falling in love with Spider-Man when he was a character on The Electric Company. That was where I first saw him. And um, if listeners aren't too familiar with that show, because it's kind of obscure at this point, like... Uh, it was it was a, a sort of a companion show to Sesame Street at the time in the early '80s. This would have been, and um, Spider Man was on there, sort of encouraging kids to learn to read. He would never speak out loud. The character of Spider Man, he had thought balloons, word balloons, pop up visually on the screen above his head with his dialogue, so it would encourage you to read what he was quote unquote saying. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much it actually helped me to read what he was saying, but I was completely immediately enamored with, um, the, just the look of the character. And if you find pictures of him from the show, I mean, did he look like Spider-Man in the Sam Raimi movies? Definitely not. But it was a pretty good approximation of the Spider-Man costume, the Steve Ditko classic costume. And I just, I just loved the look of him. And that, that led to you know, Spider-Man toys. And then once I could read Spider-Man comics. And then when I got a little older and I was a bit of a, you know, mega dork, picked on outsider weirdo nerd, then yes, then the character of Peter Parker definitely started to appeal to me as well. But uh, yeah, it started with just the amazing costume, the look of the character. Something about it just, uh, yeah, spoke to me when I was like, literally like a year old. Are you
1: a webbed pit? Spider-Man fan or an unwebbed pit armpit?
3: I'm not picky really about too much about Spider-Man. I kind of love it all. But if I think if I had to pick, I, I do like the webbed armpits. I think that's a cool look.
1: It is scary. Um, scarier than like the, the red sign he would flash on building walls or the, the spider buggy. Those are less intimidating, I think, to uh, evildoers.
3: Yeah, but it's nice to have a car that can drive up a wall. I mean, I think that's actually kind of fun. I would like to have a car that could drive on walls.
1: Sure, but you can't walk on walls, so it would be a lot more beneficial for you. Are you hoping that in Into the Spider-Verse 2, Electric Company Spider-Man is one of the characters?
3: I hadn't even thought about that. That would be really, really cool, actually. I would think that would be a, a great deep-cut Spider-Man to put in there. Um, uh, I don't know how many people besides me would get the reference if like, there was a Spider-Man in the movie who didn't speak out loud, who just had word balloons above his head. <laughs> Probably that would really confuse some people. But, um, I mean, they seem to be putting a lot of really weird, out-there versions of the character in there. So, uh, maybe it would work. And, yes, I would be incredibly giddily excited if uh, Electric Company Spider-Man was in that movie.
1: Dan Slott, in his recent Return to the Spider-Verse comic book run, put Peter Palmer in there. Which is what Peter Parker is called for one... that's right that's right there's that one
3: issue where they yeah that like what was it as that amazing spider-man number one i forget which really early issue that that yeah stanley forgot the name of Peter parker (laughs) but yes yeah that yeah i have i haven't read all i'm i'm reading on the marvel unlimited app so i'm probably a little behind on that but i was just reading that one of the issues recently i thought it was really fun i love dan slot's uh Spider-Man in general. I'm excited that he's writing him again. I've definitely, uh, I interviewed him for, um, the book, the, the, the actual one I wrote and, you know, he's featured and his stuff is featured in there quite a lot. So, uh, I definitely think he's one of the better Spider-Man writers ever really.
1: Yeah. I mean, at this point, like the, his run is uncontested. I think he broke the record. Is he as, uh, silly in real life as he appears to be on Twitter I mean... and stuff?
3: He's, he's pretty funny yeah he he's he's a fu- he's a fun guy to talk to absolutely yeah I mean I feel like uh I mean I, I i only spoke to him on the phone for a couple of hours and then I've met him in person once at a convention um but uh in my limited experience I, th- I feel like yeah I think th- it's definitely him he doesn't it's definitely not like a uh an intern who's doing his social media for him let's put it <laughs> that way that's definitely that's definitely him who's uh writing that stuff for sure I
1: love him not just because of his incredible run but I don't know, I grew up on these comic book writers who seemed to hate the job or feel like they were above the job. And Dan Slott, you don't get that from him. He
3: loves his life so much. And he loves, and especially Spider-Man. I mean, he clearly loves that character. And I think that's, you know, I think that actually what one of the things I found writing the book was that uh, that's something that a lot of... I mean, obviously, the first couple of writers of the book—they weren't fans. They were, you know, after Stan, they were maybe actually some of them were like Jerry Conway, maybe was could, would probably qualify. But I mean, once you get into it, like a lot of them grew up loving Spider-Man, and and mm-hmm. they really had that passion for the character, and so they brought that to to the book. Like, it's not there's not a lot of people who are like, oh, oh God, I got to write Spider-Man. Like, I mean, but <laughs> within a few years, that he's so popular and it's such a sort of lofty job at marvel like they're not going to give it to joe Schmo. it's going to be uh you know it's, they're only going to give it to people who are not only qualified but are really sort of passionate and excited about it and so yeah you talk to the people that have written spider-man through the years they generally share that kind of really intense love for the character that fans have for him too
1: Otherwise, don't take the job. There's other comic right. Jobs what Right, exactly.
3: Why would you write Spider-Man if you don't give a crap about him? Like, there's there, there's lots of other jobs you could be doing. At uh, yeah, why why would you do it? You must have some sort of interest or passion for the character.
1: I mean, again, I'm talking to the person who almost wrote a book about three ninjas, even though he doesn't care about them. So um, that's true.
3: You guess sometimes you got to do what you got to do for a buck. Have sure. You ever heard the sounds, theory- like, sounds like fun.
1: It sounds like fun. Yeah, it's just that's your tagline. That's my motto. Uh, the theory that when The Simpsons fell off a cliff, it was because it was no longer written by original Simpsons writers, but by people who grew up on The Simpsons. And the pressure was so overwhelming that they just couldn't do it.
3: I, I don't know if I've ever heard that. I guess I can sort of, I mean, I, I haven't watched The Simpsons in a very long time. But obviously part of the reason why that is is because the, the quality of the show kind of uh, dropped um, but it doesn't seem like, if that's the case, that that uh, has happened with. Sp- I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe some people who've come along. It's not like every person who's written Spider-Man comics has been a, a slam dunk, and maybe some of them did feel overwhelmed, and that was one of the reasons that they uh, that they didn't work out. I didn't really talk to anyone for the book. I was like, well, this person clearly was overwhelmed, and they sucked at writing Spider-Man. I'm going to talk to them. I pretty much stuck to the the biggies that I could that were you know that um, I felt were important. First of all, just because I couldn't. You know, it's, um, it's as much as I could physically cram into the book, but it's its not a massive encyclopedic tome in the sense that it's oh, thousands man. of pages long. You know, you're condensing 60 years of, of Spider-Man into about 200 pages with artwork. So it's, it's, you know, you really have to choose your battles and choose what you focus on. And so I was, I was picking the people that were the most important or that I thought were the most uh, exceptional, basically.
1: I mean, were there people that, like, let's say the creators of the Clone Saga or people who, like, don't have fond memories and so they didn't want to talk about
3: it again? Uh, I mean, there were certain people that I sort of – that just didn't respond to me. Like, if I asked, you know, I would email. And sometimes you just don't hear from people. But, I mean, I talked to some people that worked on the Clone Saga and they were – they were, I would say, even-handed about it. I mean, I'll tell you that I don't think – uh, that the clone saga is that bad. I certainly don't yeah. think it's as bad as its reputation, you know? And yeah. I, and I was, you know, like I was, um, a really intense reader fan, just a fan, a uh, teenager at the time those were coming out. And I was reading it every single week and it wasn't really till the end of the, the, the storyline that I really started to get fed up with it. And I reread all of it again when I was working on the book and that was pretty much the same feeling I had is that it's kind of an interesting idea for a storyline and it gets off to a kind of an interesting start and it and it just kind of goes on and on. And when you speak to, uh, you know, like some of the folks who worked on it or supervised it, like I was talking to, you know, Tom DeFalco, who was involved with editing and, and was certainly, uh, you know, a part of the process, the creative process for that storyline, um, you know they'll tell you sort of the practicalities behind some of the problems. Like Marvel wasn't doing all that great at that time. And when they started the clone saga, the Spider-Man books took off, they started selling really well. And so there was a a financial incentive to keep the story going as long as it was. And so what they had originally planned, you know, kind of got thrown out the window or at least delayed uh, extensively And so when the problem started to arise, it was where they kind of were dragging the story on, not because it made sense for the story, but because it made sense for Marvel's bank account, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was the time of part, you would pick up a book and it would say part 18 of 24. Um, DC was doing this too. Like Nightfall was a huge undertaking. You know what? It, It was the Netflix of the time in that you guys are, you have twice as many episodes as you actually have story to tell. But, yeah, I mean, if you've got to do what you've got to do to keep bankruptcy away at that point.
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: it's true. The second element that makes up Matt Singer. We have uh, bonded long ago from me listening to your shows and you not knowing who I was. Um, because we both agree that the greatest, single greatest fictional character of all time is Spider-Man. The second greatest fictional character of all time is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you have, um, you know, you, you, you're a renowned film critic, pop culture writer. Um, Do you get pushback about this? Because of when you were born and who you were, it's hard to tell people that are younger than me how large Arnold loomed in my life. Mm -hmm. Do you get shit about this? Are people confused as to where your fandom comes from?
3: Um, no, not, I mean, if I do, I, maybe I just ignore it. I, I like I said, I don't know, people don't, people don't talk to me uh, that much. <laughs> you seem to have the grandly inflated sort of the, the reactions that I get online about anything. But, um, I think at this point people are, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I literally like would hide some of these things, like, like comics. Like I didn't tell anyone in high school that I liked comic books yeah. when I obsessively loved comic books because I didn't I was already you know picked on and bullied and treated like a you know a human booger I didn't need any I didn't I didn't need to give anyone extra incentive to beat me up basically and um, so I would hide things you know like like that. Um, but I have to tell you like you know that I always loved Arnold's movies just as a, again as a fan and then when I went to grad school, Uh, to study film, Um, I had a a great professor who's since passed away. His name was Robert Sklar, and he taught um, a class, two classes, actually, about the history of American film. Like, it was the whole history and broken into two parts, like the first half of the 20th century, the second half of the 20th century. And, um, you know, like, part of the class was you had to write what, you know, I guess a 10-page, 20-page paper, the final paper that you pretty much worked on all semester was about like whatever you wanted, and I remember like having to you had to get it approved. The the and I remember trying like going to his office or whatever and being like, "So I want I want to um, I want to write I wanna, I'm going can I want to write about <laughs> um, Arnold Schwarzenegger." And he's like, he was like, "Oh, what about him?" And I sort of laid out some of the things that I thought were interesting about his movies because at that point it went it had been just, not just well I'm a fan. It was like I really kind of started to think about why I was a fan and what. I thought his movies were interesting about and all that sort of thing. And he was like, oh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. You should write about it. And, like, uh, super encouraging. And I uh, wrote the piece. It went really well. And then um, and, and then uh, to graduate from grad school, you had to basically do what they call a comprehensive exam, which is you have to basically write, like, two gigantic paid papers from scratch in the span of a week. And one of them, they give you sort of general topics, and you pick I'm going to write about this, and I'm going to do it about this person. Or I'm going to write about this. I'm going to take this approach, and I'm going to write about this movie. And one of the, uh, one of the subjects I did was some kind of genre article about singing in the rain and musicals. And the other one I did was about uh, movie stars, and I wrote about Arnold Schwarzenegger and Past with Flying Colors. And I guess at that point, I just kind of, like, never looked back because it was like, at a certain point, you look around and you go, well, I believe this, and I can... Uh, argue it passionately and everybody has their you know if you can talk about something write about something feel something about movies that or more about movies or a movie star or whoever more than anybody else i mean i guess that makes you weird but it also makes you unique and it's like in a world where there's hundreds of film critics and film writers and film bloggers you gotta have something that makes you stand out. So whenever anyone asks me anything like this, or uh, you know, what what sh- what if I really want to write about this, or how do I? It was like just if if you believe it or you like it, that you should be writing about it. Like nobody cares if you're writing about Three Ninjas if you don't really love it. But if you have a really intense take on why Three Ninjas is the most important film franchise of the '90s, like. That's what makes a good article or a good book or whatever, a good YouTube video. It's like if you have a take that's unique in yours, that's what makes it uh, good. So, yeah, if, if people push back at this point about Arnold, I really I really do, do not care. I don't really notice, but even if I did, I would I, – I think he's more than proven himself. And uh, I'm I'm quite uh, – I've written some, some of my favorite things I've ever written about him. So, yeah, it's – it's no problem for me. <laughs> I think that like, there's an
1: important point there, though, with the dorks, but like the thoughtful dorks, the righty dorks, the think piece dorks, the dorks that went to school and had assignments, is that it's not just I like this person, but I do for my own interest or otherwise, I want to figure out why. And I remember being pretty young and all of my friends were jockey-er and liked and liked a different type of movie than I did, right? And... They were super into this whole glut of muscle-bound people, like the Seagals, the Van Damme's, and and Schwarzenegger was sort of included in that. And I was like, stop, I don't think that's true. I don't think that he is. I think that he is different, if not better. And I know that he got a lot of the bigger budgets, and he got to hang out and make movies with your best friend, James Cameron. But aside from that, there was a star quality there that the others absolutely did not have. There was something about him that I think separated it and, in my mind, made him closer to, like, Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise than Van Damme and Steven Seagal.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think he's a cut above just about all those other stars of that era who were sort of muscly. And as you said, there was, that was like sort of a whole... It was a whole kind of subgenre um when we were growing up that all those movies were about. Now I mean, I mean he's always interesting to compare to somebody like Stallone um who I would say to his uh on you know if you want to sort of weigh them or balance them against one another like Stallone uh was a writer, he was a director, you know, and he's written some amazing scripts. He's written some terrible scripts, but he's written some amazing scripts. He's directed some pretty good movies. I don't know if he's ever directed a, like a masterpiece, but he's you know he's a he's a totally uh, you know professional director. Schwarzenegger directed like one episode of Tales from the Crypt and a TV movie of Christmas in Connecticut. He's not exactly I wouldn't I, I, you know I don't know that he's uh, necessarily a a filmmaker uh, in that way. Um, but I do think he is a much more interesting screen presence generally than. Stallone, although, you know, I having said that, I love the Rocky franchise and uh, could watch those movies endlessly. And there's other Stallone movies that I really uh, love quite a lot, like Demolition Man and maybe not Oscar, but, uh, you know, Demolition Man for sure. And Nighthawks. And there's there's there's, he's made some wonderful movies. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I guess for me, what the thing that I always found interesting about uh, Schwarzenegger and what I was writing about, like at, when I was in grad school, and some of the things I've written about that are you can find on like Screen Crush, or I, I did this um, video uh, essay that I'm pretty sure is still on the Screen Crush YouTube channel. It's like, you know, that so much of the writing, the thinking in the world of movies is all about the directors, the directors, who's the director, what did, what's the director's thinking, what are they trying to do. Uh, the auteur theory, of course. And even just there, I was talking about Stallone. I was like, well, he was a director. He's made movies. And it's like, and sure, that's a thing and that's useful. But I think it sometimes is focused on to the exclusion of how um, important movie stars can be in the making of movies, especially when you get to the position of a Schwarzenegger or some of those other names you mentioned. It's like at a certain point, they're... They're the people who are getting the movies made, not the directors. Like yeah. they're the ones who are bringing in the directors, or when a director they like, they say to the director, "Well, let's find something to make together." Or, you know what I mean? Like they have an outsized influence on what's made, what their what roles they're playing, what those roles represent, how they talk to one another, and so that was the kind of stuff that I was really interested in with Schwarzenegger. Was when you look when you step back and look at all of his movies, there's all these interesting sort of patterns that emerge and these periods, these very clearly demarcated periods in his career where he goes from playing a certain type of role to another type of role over and over. And then he switches to another type of role and he plays that role. And he's like, you know, whether it's a particular interest, like I'm just interested in doing this or it's like a Kenny can, can sort of, well, I want to broaden my audience appeal. So I'm going to make more movies that are more family-friendly or, you know, like, uh, I've, I've had some success with comedy, so I'm going to look for more comedies or movies with better roles for my female co-stars or whatever it is. Like, you can find these very interesting periods in his filmography. And then if you know his biography, they they tend to line up in interesting ways there as well. So I don't know how much your, your listeners want to hear me draw on about that. But, like, again, if you, like, look... I guess if you Google my name and Arnold Schwarzenegger, some of these things will come up, and you can see if you're interested, sort of like how these weird. There's all these kind of interesting parts of his life that sort of sync up with what he was exploring in his movies at the same time, and uh, it just it's not a coincidence, and it's you know, and he was powerful enough that he could pick whatever he wanted to do. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like. He, was, he wasn't auditioning for these roles and happening to get them. He was, like, kind of almost commissioning them at a certain point.
1: They weren't saying, oh, Arnold, we need you to come in and read one more time for Batman and Robin. We just, we're just we not sure if the chemistry test is going to work. Right. I, I don't know if what I'm about to say is true, but it's a podcast where you don't have to do research. I'm not writing an article. I can just say whatever I want. Uh, it, there was, like, that legend where Will Smith would do all this box office research to pick his next roles, right? He would see what was popular and then make very thoughtful mathematical decisions, and I just felt like the Arnold was sort of the opposite. Like He was like, no, I'll do that and then set the trends. Will Smith was trying to catch the trends. And for a solid 10, 15 years in there, Arnold was like setting the trends. Being in a comedy was weird. Do you buy, for him back then, do you buy the, that urban legend that he told Sylvester Stallone he was going to do this movie called Stop or My Mom Will Shoot? <laughs>
3: He is, I mean, I don't know if it's an urban legend, if he's told the story. He's, I think he's, he's said this. I mean, it might even be in his memoir that he, he did this to, I mean, and they, for sure, um, they absolutely had a period where they were so competitive that they did not like each other and they would try to one up each other. If that story's
1: true, then Arnold won.
3: That's, (laughs) that's it. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember what exactly he said about it, but I'm pretty sure it, 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 it's been a couple of years since I read his, his memoir, which is actually a very interesting uh, book if you're interested in, in Schwarzenegger. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he might even talk about it in there, about, you know, trying to uh, mess with Stallone a little bit by saying how he, he, he really liked that project and sort of nudging him to make that terrible movie.
1: It's such a baller move. Um, with our third element of Matt Singer, we move away from the movies that I watched as a kid, and we move to the movies that I, my younger brother, watched as a kid. My younger brother would watch nonstop, uh, Kickboxer, uh, American Anthem. He would watch No Retreat, No Surrender. These are movies that don't mean anybody to any anything to anybody anymore. Watched a movie called Best of the Best. He's probably seen that movie a thousand times, and uh, he has seen the movie Jim Cotta. You. At this point, I, I had to assume, once I said we're going to talk about Matt Singer, this movie, you knew this movie was going to come up. Uh, at this point, are the poster boy. With, in, for something that has a literal poster, it has now been replaced with a picture of your face as the official movie poster. Can we just talk about the origins of this? Um, is this you and Alice Wilmore on FilmSpotting SVU, or does, this, does Matt Singer's love of Jim Cotta predate that?
0: To be continued. We are back from that interview, Ryan. Delightful. It was sure Thank something you. else. What a great time! <laughs> delightful and something else. How does that? I would review say it's sound? something
1: else. No, that's uh, that, that's a three-star review.
0: Yeah, which Out is, is solid. 100. And you should feel good about that, Ryan. Um, that does mean it's the end of the show, though. Which means it's just time to plug things. Uh, Ryan, can you tell us about another show on the network?
1: Sure. Uh, This is Superhero Show Show. Um, If you also want to hear what this sounds like, but about movies, go to Movie of the Year, where me and Mike and Greg and sometimes Cassie and Caitlin talk about the best movies of any given year. Right now, it's back to 2002, I think. The booties are are still going on. Mm -hmm. But at some point, we're going back to 2002. So tune in for that.
0: But stay tuned for, as we st- keep going through 2022, because banger of a year.
1: Dude, it's, there's so much of me being upset. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which
2: makes as us th- very happy. It's the best of the year, best of the year. It's the Why are intuition. my emotions
1: indirectly proportionate to your guys' emotions? <laughs> it's
2: called friendship, Ryan. Look it up. <laughs> math math is very hard. We learned this, <laughs> and I don't know what you just said, so... <laughs>
0: We uh we also got to talk about websites. And Mike's not here. So, Caitlin, yeah. just take a best stab at it. None of us will know if it's right or not. Mm. Be confident. Throw it out there.
2: Popfilter.co is where you can go it's and like, read yeah. all your favorite articles on stuff. And be a good website person. Mm-hmm. And if you add a slash Amazon on there... Then your, your little monies that you spend on your Amazon, which we know, you nasty little beasts, you sure do. You sure do spend that. We get a little kashish, as Mike likes to say, for that. So No, it,
1: we knew that you were doing Mike. yeah We <laughs> get that.
2: Yep. hmm You're nailing it. Thank you. Um, I think I got it, right?
0: We also got patreon.com slash your pop filter. If you got a little monies, we want it. <laughs> You yeah, nasty you pay have to, pigs.
1: You, you have to be a little perverted, though. Like, yeah. If you want to be a fucking fat-titted human cow, yeah, you so. got to go to patreon.com slash your pop filter to be a big, bald mountain with two fucking juicy balls if you're a mountain with two big, juicy balls. That's what that's something that Mike would say.
2: Okay, okay, <laughs> let, me, let me take a crack at it. If you were Mojo, I would grab your little titties and milk you, and then that would be your payment on our patreon so let me milk you (laughs) patreon.com slash your pop filter is that good
1: i'm mojo caitlin yeah you milk me
2: (laughs) if you go on our patreon.com slash your pop filter you bet i can (laughs) you betcha betcha.
1: (laughs) if you're like if you're fucking mojo with two fucking juicy ass ears that look like two different nut sacks you should go to (laughs) patreon.com slash your pop filter
0: because we can't advertise for patreon this hard we're gonna get too much money <laughs> it's gonna be too hard to handle
1: and again we're not advertising mike mike is, mike is. we are channeling so mike dirty here. and
0: gross this <laughs> is what mike would say uh we also have if a- you
1: look like mike but your fucking shaft is a tiny mike and your balls are two giant <laughs> mics go to patreon.com that's something he would say
0: <laughs> oh mike we also got an email. It's contact at, your po- at popfilter.co. popfilter.co. Hell yeah. Go ahead and send us your emails. Um, if you want to tell us how much you love Mojo, absolutely send us an email. We have a great episode coming up next week because, guys, it's basically a repeat of this one. We got everything for you. We got The Flash. We got X-Men. And we got more Matt Singer. So beef- what is our lives,
1: Cassie? It's, like,
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> Groundhog Day. What are we day? doing? It's Groundhog Day. But Mike will be here. So celebrate that. <laughs> we I'll see you all next week. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For Caitlin, I am me. And for me, I am me. Bye, everyone.